Well, good morning. It's good to be back. Good to be back. We were, I was away all week in, um, in Lexington. Um, sorry I couldn't be here Wednesday, but I heard, uh, I heard Eugene did a great job filling in uh, Wednesday night. Um, I'll be back this Wednesday night. Um, we're going to be covering the flood. So if you can make it Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, uh, we'll be here breaking down God's word and, and uh, seeing what he has to tell us. Uh, for the last two weeks, I've been wanting to preach on fasting. I thought, I want to preach on fasting. I feel like that's something that we don't, we don't talk about enough. Uh, it's something that needs to be more of a part of our uh, Christian regimen, as it were. Okay, uh, and, and I want to talk about how it goes hand in hand w- with prayer and, and breakthroughs in our, in our Christian walk. But last week, on Saturday, as I prepared all week, he, God put on my heart that he wanted me to talk about uh, his greatest command and how that was going to shape the future of Callaway. So he changed it on me. This week, I said, okay, I'm going to be preaching on fasting this week. I already did the reading, I already did the study, and this should be a breeze. And on Wednesday, I'm, I'm at a, a conference in Lexington, and, and, and the, the presenter puts up a picture on the screen. And it's, it's, a, it's a drawing of the, this muddy water, and it starts flowing down, and it goes through all these different grates and sewer systems, and then it comes out clean at the end. And she says, I want you to look at this and, and tell me how you think it relates to motivating children. Because that's what the conference was for. But all I could see was the gospel. <laughs> so I, I'm taking notes, and I'm looking at that. I'm like, that look, that's like the Holy Spirit. And we, we come through. And, and, and there was like bones on the side. I said, those are, that represents dying to yourself daily. And then it, it, you get cleaner as you go through. And I just said, that's the gospel. So at lunchtime, I went up to the presenter. I said, I need you to email me that picture because I'm preaching on that. Sunday. I said, I'm just going to do it. Well, then, as I'm looking and praying and, and studying over that picture, I start chasing rabbits, and I ended up in Samaria. So that's where we're going to be today. Uh, Jesus at the well in uh, Samaria. Uh, so we, eventually, we're going to get to fasting. Eventually, we will. Uh, I'll let, I'm not going to tell you when, because we probably only have a few people show up if I got to... Tell you about fasting. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, so we are going to be in John chapter 4 this morning. If you have your Bibles or your smart device, uh, you can turn to chapter 4 of John. We'll be starting in verse 4. And I ask if, if you're physically able to stand as we read. Um, And before I start reading, you might want to stretch a little bit, you know, get get those muscles warmed up, because I'm going to verse 26. I don't want anybody cramping up during my reading. So, John 4, starting in verse 4. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. 
Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away to the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it was that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence, then, hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband, and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he who thou now hast is not thy husband. And that missed thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor ye in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye, know not what. He know what we worship. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us together. It's a beautiful day to be in your house as it always is. We just pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to your word. Help us understand, Lord. Please don't let me be a roadblock between your word and our hearts. Let us take with us something today that we can live, live out throughout our lives and, and, and show your light to others, Lord. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty. So, let's take a look at what is happening here. Get my notes. I got, I got more pages of notes than I know what to do with. Put that there. All right. So let's talk about uh, what's happening here. Jesus was in Judea with his disciples baptizing people. And in a nearby town, John the Baptist was doing the same thing. He was baptizing as well. But then when the Pharisees saw what was going on, they saw that Jesus was 
was, was baptizing more people than John. So they went to John. They were saying, well, why is Jesus baptizing so many more people? Kind of trying to make it a competition. Well, this is not what Jesus wanted. So he decides to leave. He decides to leave and go to Galilee. Now, when he goes to Galilee, there, there's two, two ways to go. He can go north, which is straight through Samaria, which is what he ends up doing. Or he could go east uh, through a town called Perea. And this is what most Orthodox Jews would do because they do not like the Samaritans. So they would go east through Perea uh, to get to Galilee. But that's not Jesus' style, right? Jesus says the gospel is for everybody. Everyone needs to hear it. He says we're to make disciples of all nations, right? Not just the nations that we like. Not just the nations that look like us, not just the nations that sound like us, but all nations. So Jesus is not going to avoid people just to walk around them. Now, the Orthodox Jews would have, and I'm gonna, we're going to talk a little bit in a minute about why that is. But as he's going, he stops at a well, and he sends his disciples on into the city to buy meat. Verse 6 tells us that Jesus was weary from his journey. And we need to remember that Jesus was man. Okay, he felt the things we feel. He felt thirst. He felt hunger. He felt pain. He felt sorrow. He cried. He had emotions. He was man. And we need to remember that when Jesus was on the cross, I think a lot of times we say, okay, Jesus died for our sins on the cross. We need to remember, he felt the pain that we would have felt with the nails going through his hands and his feet and hanging on the cross. Those same pains that we would have felt, he took for us. He felt that pain. So along comes a Samaritan woman, and Jesus asks her for a cup of water, asks her for a drink. She recognizes Jesus as a Jew. It doesn't tell us how she was able to identify him as a Jew. Probably something he was wearing or something about his appearance told her that he was a Jew. And it surprised her that he would even talk to her. This was not done. So what was the issue between the Jews and the Samaritans? Well, in the early 900 B.C.s, uh, when, I think it was 930 B.C., uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, took over. And this upset a lot of people. So what happened was the 12 tribes of Israel, 10 tribes went north, and two tribes stayed in the south. I believe it was, I know that one of them was Benjamin because my name. I believe the other one was uh, uh, the tribe of Judah. I think Benjamin and Judah were the two that stayed in the south. And the northern kingdom, uh, with those 10 tribes, went through bad king after bad king. If you read through Kings, it says so-and-so uh, took over. He was a bad king, did evil in the sight of the Lord. He died. The next one comes along. The, the southern uh, part of the kingdom was a little more stable. So what had happened was 200 years after uh, they separated, so this is in the early uh, 700 B.C.s, uh, we have the Assyrians come in and they conquer the northern kingdom. So the Syrians come in, the, the Gentiles, the, the non-Jews come in and they take over the northern kingdom. And what happens is those 12 or those 10 tribes in the north begin intermarrying 
with the Assyrians, with the Gentiles. So now the southern kingdom looks at those, the Jews that were in the north as not Jews anymore. They're not pure like we are anymore. And this has caused the hatred and friction between the Jews and the Samaritans. So that's why she's saying, why is it that you're talking to me? This is not done. Um, let alone asking for some of my water. You're going to drink out of a vessel that belongs to uh, a Samaritan? This is just not done. So verse 10, he tells her, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me to save you. Okay? He said, you don't know who I am or what I have to offer. Verse 11 says, the woman shows that she clearly doesn't understand because she thinks he's talking about actual water. When he says, I, if I ask you for a drink and you would have asked for me living water, I would have given you living water. But she thinks he's talking about regular water because she says, wait a minute. You don't have anything to draw the water from. Are you greater than our father? You, you, you don't have anything with you. How, how are you going to give me this living water? But now she's intrigued. First, she was a little confrontational, right? Now, now, now you can tell she's, she's getting a little intrigued by what he's saying. And this is just what Jesus wanted. This is why Jesus is there. This is why Jesus started the conversation with her. So Jesus is saying, you don't understand that the, wa- that the water you have is worthless. You're going to get thirsty again. But the water I'm going to give you is living water. It's water that's going to bubble up inside of you and that you will not lose. This is what the fishermen like to call setting a hook. He's got her. He, he starts reeling her in. And she says, give me some of that water. I want that water that you speak of. I don't want to be hungry again. I don't want to have to keep coming to this well. She's still not quite sure what he's talking about. But she says, I don't want to come hither anymore. Give me that living water that keeps bubbling up inside me. And Jesus says, great. I would love to. Go get your husband and bring him back here. And now she's not so chatty. She says, I I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, good answer. I know you don't have a husband. You had five. And the one you're shacked up with now, he's not your husband. So why did Jesus do this? Why, why would Jesus, after it seems like he's pulling her along, almost push her away? It's conviction, right? You can't be saved without conviction. And what I mean by that is, if you don't realize that you've done things wrong in your life that you need saving from, you can't be saved. You don't need salvation if you don't think you've done anything wrong. He's trying to show her that she is a sinner in need of salvation. She was excited about what she thought she was going to get, which reminds me of the, uh, uh, the, 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 the sower. When you look at the seeds, one seed fell on hard ground, and the bird came by and ate it up. She reminds me of the next seed that falls on rocky soil and sprouts up really quickly, gets real excited, but then there's no roots there's no roots, so she dies off. And, that, and that, that's what it kind of reminds me of. She gets real excited about it, and, and she wants it, but she doesn't understand uh, clearly what it is. So what she does in verse 19 and 20, she tries to change the subject. She asks him about a, a, a religious question about how and where you're supposed to worship, and who's right, the Samaritans or the Jews. And Jesus stops her. 
First of all, have you ever noticed it's, it's easier to talk about religion than to talk about the sins in our lives? You'll have people that, that, that want, they want to talk Jesus all day, but when, it, when, the, when the mirror is turned to them and they actually have to look at their own sins and their own lives, they, they get a little quieter. So she doesn't want to talk about those five husbands and, and the man that she's got back home. She wants, to, she wants to start changing the subject on them. But Jesus tells her, he says, you don't know who to worship, you don't know where to worship, and you don't know how to worship. He just stops her in her tracks. In verse 25 and 26, uh, she says, we're waiting on Christ. And he says, Psst, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm here. So what does she do? She recognizes him as the Christ. How do we know that? Because she ran off to tell everybody in town, come see the Christ is here. So that's the story uh, that, that uh, God put on my heart. And, and there's, there's a few things that I want us to look at and, and, and leave here with today. The first is what God takes from us. If you can, uh, if you have your Bibles on, you turn to Numbers, everybody's favorite book. Numbers chapter 5. Numbers chapter 5. It's page 214 in my Bible, if that helps anybody. Numbers chapter 5, and we're going, three verses, 16, 17, and 18. It says, And the priest shall bring near and set, before, uh, set her before the Lord. Okay, but, um, what I want you to remember before we read this, Jesus asked her for her cup of water. He asked her for her cup of water at the well. And this is dealing with an adulterous woman. It says, And the priest shall bring her near and set her before the Lord. And the priest shall take holy water in the earthen vessel. It means a clay, clay cup. And of the dust of the floor of the tabernacle, the priest shall take and put it into the water. And, and the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and uncover the woman's head and put an offering of material in her hands, which is the jealousy offering. And the priest shall have in his hand the bitter water and causeth the curse. What's happening here is when this is a law, and we're being, the law is being described to us. If a man believes that his wife has been unfaithful, he brings her to the high priest. The high priest brings her into the tabernacle and puts holy water in a cup. And then he takes dirt from the ground of the tabernacle and he sprinkles it in the water, making dirty water. And if you read on, what you find out is that the high priest will write on a scroll, he'll write a curse. And then he washes that scroll off into the water. And you'll find, as you read on, that he call, he refer, this, this water is referred to as bitter five times. And what happens is they force her to drink this bitter water. And if she is guilty, she would lose the child that she has and she would become barren for the rest of her life. That would be the curse. Um, on the flip side, if she's not guilty, she's fine. <laughs> uh, nothing happens. So 
This is what Jesus does for us. He asks us for our cup. Okay? He takes that curse for us. Our cup of curse. Our cup of sin. Our cup of condemnation. He takes it all for us. And that's what he's asking here. It's a symbol. He's saying, give me your cup of water, adulterous woman. He wants it, but we need to give it to him. We see this in John 19 when, when Jesus is on the cross, right? And, 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 he, and, he's, and he's thirsty. What, what do they do? They take a sponge and they stick it in, anybody remember? Vinegar. vinegar. They put it on the end of the spear. They put it in vinegar and they lift it up for him to drink that acidy vinegar that he drinks. And then what does he say? He says, it's finished. He dies and releases the ghost. Same thing. He takes that bitterness from us. He died on the cross for our sins. He's willing to take our cup of sins so that we might have everlasting life. And he asked the adulterous woman for her cup of water. The second thing I want us to take away today is the exchange we make with God. Look, look, Look at the, this is, if you're an investor, This is the best exchange rate you're ever going to find. He asks us for a cup of water in exchange for what? A fountain. A cup for a fountain. Whatever we give him, he's going to do so much more with. Uh, If if you look at Isaiah uh, verse 61, or I'm sorry, chapter 61 of Isaiah. Isaiah comes before Jeremiah, 61, 61 verse 3, he says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, and oil for joy for mourning, and a garment of praise For the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. I don't know if you caught that, but he said, you give me ashes, I'll give you beautiful. You give me pain, I'll give you joy. He's offering all these things. Whatever we have to give him, we give him, and he does so much more with. You give him mourning, he gives you joy. You give him your heavy burdens, he gives you praise. Whatever you have, give it to God and see what he does with it. Because where you see limitations, he sees limitless possibilities. Just look back at when Jesus fed the 5,000. What did they bring him? They said, Jesus, all we got are these five loaves of bread and these two fish. We we can't feed all these people. But that's all they had. And as as much as they saw that as, as limitations, as not being able to do much with, they still brought it to Jesus because they trusted in him. And we need to do the same thing. See what happens. Just, just try it. See what happens when you give your tithes and offerings. When you give your time. When you give your praise. When you give your talents. No matter how much any of those are, when you give it to God in God's hands, he can bless you. He can bless this church. God takes things no matter how insignificant 
you think they are and does extraordinary things with them. Yes, sir. He's, he, all he wants is the water. And, and when, I, when I look at the water, there, there's a couple of different ways you can look at the water. When he's asking you for a cup of water, you could say, okay, well, that, that, maybe that's my tithes, my offerings, my time, my praise, my talents. It's giving him the good and also giving him your burdens. He's willing to take both. But you don't want to just give him your burdens all the time. You need to give him praise. God says, give me your praise. That's the cup that he wants. He wants us to show him that we love him with what he's given us. The third thing. I love this. I, I don't know if you're going to enjoy this. I, 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 months ago, I don't know if you ever do this when, when you're studying and you just, I don't know what to study today. Lord, tell me what you want me to read. And you just open not, not Job. Lord, let me, <laughs> you, do, you open up your Bible and you just start reading wherever it opens up and you say, that must be where God wants me to be. Well, I had one of those days. And, and, I, and I opened it up and I opened it to Ezekiel 47. And, and as I started reading, I said, wow, this is, this is powerful. The, the, the imagery in, 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 in the story that, that was being told was so beautiful. I said, this needs to be a sermon. I never got around. It, it never clicked. It never, I, I was never able to get a sermon out of it. It's just because that's not what God wanted me to do. But it all came back to yesterday when, when I read uh, the story of the woman at, at the well. And I thought, this just fits in there perfectly. So God showed it to me months ago to save it for today. Ezekiel 47, and it's long, so I'm not going I'm to read the whole thing to you. So let me tell you what happens. Ezekiel's a prophet, and he's in this temple. And he's being led through the temple by a spirit. The spirit is showing him what it's going to look like in the thousand-year reign of Jesus. Okay? And he's inside the temple, and he notices a trickle of water coming out of the right side of the temple. So he and, and the spirit follow the, uh, the water outside. And as they follow the water, the spirit, they call him man, but the spirit measures off a thousand cubits. And they walk out into the water a thousand cubits. And the water is up to their ankles. And he measures off another thousand cubits. And the water is up to their knees. And he measures off another thousand cubits and it's up to their waist. He measures off another thousand cubits and now they can't even stand in it. They're swimming. And this water would empty out into the Dead Sea. Now, if you know anything about the Dead Sea, it's called dead for a reason. Nothing lives there. There's no plant life in the water. There's no animals in the water. Nothing can survive in that water. But what happens is when this trickle of water that leaves the temple becomes a large river and flows down into the uh, Dead Sea, it creates life. Life abundantly. It just keeps on multiplying these animals and, 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 and fish and, and plants. They talk, it talks about the plants that are, that are lining this river and the trees and their deep roots and how they're being nourished. And there's fishermen on the, on, on the sides uh, fishing in it. And I, that's the living water. And what makes me think, I don't know if, if, you, if you think about this. They said that the water is flowing, it's trickling out of the right side of the temple. 
and it becomes a large river, okay? When Jesus was hanging on that cross, after he received the vinegar, and he dies, and he releases the ghost, what do they do? They pierce his side. And what comes out of his side? Water. A trickle of water trickles out of his side. You know what happens to that water? That's living water. That ends up starting a little river. And before you know it, it's spreading. That living water is what is, it's why we are here today. I, I jumped, I got excited, I jumped ahead in my, <laughs> in my notes. Uh, so this, this is what, what I want you, you to hear. Much like when Jesus was on the cross, and they pierced his side, and a trickle of water ran out, it started small and grew to a raging river. That I, for one, could testify that it swept me up, and life grew inside of me. It grew life in a soul that was dead and headed for hell. But because he took my bitter cup and died on the cross for me, I will give him whatever I have, no matter how little. In exchange, he gives me fountains of living water. If you don't know, if you don't have that living water, I I encourage you to to come forward today. Uh, allow, Allow me to pray with you. You think about, and I know a lot of people that are not saved, and I just, I worry about them. You know, you don't know, I know before I was saved, I thought, well, you know, 35, I got another 117 years left in me, so I don't need to worry about it right now. Fact of the matter is, we don't know how many days we have left. Uh, um We just don't know. Um, and I'll encourage you, if, if you don't have that spring of living water just bubbling up inside of you, that, that, that love, that fire for Jesus, I, I would encourage you to come forward and, and allow us to pray for you. Um, also, if you would like to join our church, um, that, that would be a blessing as well. Uh, let's go ahead and have prayer, and then we will have... Uh, our invitation. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Lord, Lord, you just bless us continuously. No matter how much we're able to give to you, Lord, you, you still bless us. Lord, I pray that you will give us giving hearts, that we would reach out to you and, 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 and seek your word, seek your wisdom, seek your, your salvation. Lord, anything we can give back to you, I pray that we will do that. Lord, watch over us this week. Protect us. Allow us to be that light that guides people out of the darkness of sin into the foot of the cross. But all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.